Hello, and welcome to In Theory. I'm Naran Khan. And I'm Maria Sachikosa-Siri. And this is the podcast where we take on theories and make them relevant to the world around us. It's been a while, huh, Maria? Uh-huh. We've had a little hiatus there. Uh, any big reasons why? <laughs> I mean, you know, we've got a lot of ish going on in our lives, both of us. True. And for me, one of them was that I made a person. You had a baby. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> Cue the screaming. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. That's so exciting. How is it? And how are you? Good. Both good. I mean, you know, I have to admit, some people say they love being pregnant. I would not count myself among that number. <laughs> um, I did. I was very lucky. Did not have a complicated pregnancy or anything like that. It just, huh, your body changes really fast. And, you know, I feel like a lot of my ideologies were put to the test, um, my politics, where, you know, I feel like my body basically took over me in some ways uh, for this other person. But it was cool. You know, now I met this other person and I really like her. So she's allowed to have uh, a lot of my nutrients. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) That's so great. And it's so exciting. And I guess I should say we have been talking during this time. We just haven't been recording ourselves talking to each other. So... Yeah, and and we should say the hiatus was, you know, while I was pregnant and having the baby, but also exciting, big work things happened for both of us, and hopefully we'll have the chance to talk about that when we come back full-time in the not-too-distant future. So, yay, but we just wanted to check in, and we have, I mean, obviously there's theory that we could talk about for any part of um, this little respite that we had. Today we're going to be talking about parenthood and our notions of motherhood and stuff like that but we could you know there's plenty of theories talking about summer and job stuff and I don't know life transitions and everything else so I don't know like life is life is full of theory everywhere I look I'm like oh my god there's like a reason behind all of this or there's an explanation or someone's figured this out or uh, can explain something deeper so I love I love it when there's a little theory in my heart when I look around. (laughs) Well, I definitely had a lot of theory in my heart when I was pregnant because, you know, a lot of things that happen during pregnancy, childbirth, and new motherhood especially are things that are treated like they just are or they've always been that way. It's like timeless or something like that. And a lot of it, like everything else, is really socially situated. um, And I just really found it helpful to have a little context uh, for my particular circumstances as, you know, a woman in relatively comfortable circumstances who is giving birth in America um, to understand what was going on with that. I don't know if you followed any of the stuff that NPR and ProPublica have been doing this year around maternal uh, mortality, (laughs) but that was interesting to have all that coming out um, while I was pregnant to be reading about the the fact that America is the highest maternal death rate in the developed world. Of course, it's worse for women of color, particularly black women, low-income women, um, people in rural areas. But um, it really strikes all over, and America really lags behind the rest of the world, developed world anyway, um, in this. Uh, Although our infant mortality rates are super low, which is So, you know, I caught some of those headlines as as, um, that research was coming out earlier this year, and I, I probably didn't dive too deeply in it. But I was surprised. I mean, obviously, that's not what you expect because you hear, you know, in our debates about healthcare. I know we spend a lot, and you know, we that's that's a huge part of the discussion. But I always understood that our outcomes were at least, if not 
a lot better, at least marginally better. But that's not in the case for maternal mortality, which is kind of terrifying, right? Yeah, you'd think that would be something that we could handle. And the truth is that in most other parts of the developed world, they have, right? It's seen as a kind of scandal if a mother dies in childbirth. Whereas in America, it's still a pretty big problem. Um, ProPublica and, and NPR, they basically came down on the argument that has to do with the fact that in America, um, we put way more emphasis on the baby than the mother. <laughs> Surprise! Shocker! Shocker! This may this Jeez. may call to mind some of the debates around um, abortion, um, access to contraception, like all kinds of other stuff, like how we value women and their bodies when it comes to reproduction. Um, so of course, like, you know, I was pregnant. I wanted my baby to be healthy, but I also wanted me to be healthy. <laughs> and there is, there's not very much in terms of our protocols focusing on the health of the mom, um, mm. although we do a lot of great work for the health of the baby. That's so interesting. That's, yeah. It's really interesting. And the explanation behind it is just about practices that come out of the the value system of privileging baby over mama. I don't know. You're totally right. It's, so like, for example, practically speaking, in America, women get only one six-week visit after they have the baby. So six weeks after the baby's born, you get one checkup. It's like, how's all your shiz doing? And they're like, okay, either you're looking good or like, ooh, it's not so great. That's too bad. Um, (laughs) And as opposed to, say, France, where after your six-week visit, basically everyone gets 10 to 20 perennial re-education visits, which is essentially physical therapy with a designated coach to help get your vagina back in action. Oh, my gosh. I mean, like 20 versus one? (laughs) Well, and then the one isn't even... For that, it's, it's not just for rehab. Like, it's just a check-in. Exactly. Wow. Um, and and it actually doesn't make a lot of sense financially because you can prevent a lot of the kinds of procedures that are necessary later. Mother Jones did a good piece um, right at the beginning of 2017, which was about like the kinds of injuries that can come from vaginal birth and why so many women have them and those kinds of things. Um, but a lot of people don't talk about them because they're mm. really shy or it's not considered appropriate or you're supposed to be just grateful that you have a healthy baby so shut your mouth that kind of thing so and a lot of those things do require medical attention so i don't know i mean i was again lucky in many ways i did have a c-section in the end um Mm -hmm. we had a little fetal distress action going on so we i was like get my baby out of distress right Mm -hmm. now use your knife (laughs) and it was like magic i got the magical drugs which took all the badness away and the c-section healed really well and everything like that but i have had you know after the birth some pelvic floor issues and i tried to get a therapist and Mm -hmm. i called in august and the soonest they can fit me in is november 20th are you kidding yeah there's just not a lot of availability and a lot of need is that because you live in a rural area? I don't know. I mean, you can let me know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> if, uh, if your friends in the city have the same experiences, but my sense is just that people who are trained for that specifically, there're just not as many of them as there are, as as there are women mm. having babies, right? Yeah. As, as there is need. So Wow. There you have it, kids. Oh my gosh. Well, I can imagine if I were to be pregnant or or having a baby, I would have I'd certainly pay much more attention than I probably do now to data and research and information and the news and whatever else is just more relevant to my day to day. And so I do feel like I don't always, I'm not always plugged into 
not just the debates, but like the news of the day on these topics. No, I was the same way. Totally. Right. Like, why would you? And I think part of it is that we don't make it a standard part of sex education or just education in general, like what happens after you get pregnant. It's like, and then there's a baby. It's like, actually, there's very specific processes that happen throughout your pregnancy um, and during childbirth that I think everyone, not just women, also men should know about. I mean, I remember being so mad when I read that Mother Jones piece about all the kinds of injuries that I could have um, because I just didn't know at a time. And, you know, I probably would have still decided to get pregnant, but I Mm -hmm. would have maybe thought about it differently. Yeah. I I think it's a kind of it's part of the like whitewashing of motherhood, which I find really troubling. Mm-hmm. Um, that everything becomes like a sunny stock photo of like ladies laughing in white dresses holding chubby babies, when in reality there's a lot of darkness, a lot of suffering, um, and it's just it's just not like it, instead of brightness, it's darkness. It's just that it's life. It continues to be life, which is messy and has ups and downs. Um, but we are so invested in seeing motherhood and childbirth as just like pure happiness. Yeah. That we can't leave space for people to talk about what they need to talk about, you know? Fair, fair. Not un- not fair, but unfair, but understood. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. One thing that was kind of, oh, I mean, I'm just like rambling now. Oh, no, so, no, um, no. I, I'm actually genuinely, I mean, I, like, I've been wanting to talk about this stuff with you. And we have talked about bits and pieces of this. But, like, I, I don't know, just from our, like, this angle, I'm I'm so curious about basically every part of this. And so I don't mean to test tube friend you and, like, ask you all this stuff. But, <laughs> please but do, it's please super, do. it's super illuminating for me. And I'm sure you know, interesting to plenty of other folks who are either curious or for whom this is the stuff they're going through right now. So do you have any, any like questions? Yeah. About- well, <laughs> I have one particular question, which is just like, do you become a mother at birth when you start mothering? Do you feel like any different, like the title mother, does that, do you relate to it in a different way? Or is it just like, kind of like, well, you have a baby and then now you're responsible for, you know, you and your partner are responsible for someone else and therefore you become parents like I don't I don't know is that like a really dumb question no that's a great question because I will say I don't feel like a mother yeah I I feel like the mother of my baby yeah I don't feel like like the category of like mom I don't yet associate with myself and maybe that's just time but also it could be how monolithic that's become um I'm really lucky I think being an academic so surrounded by like nerd ladies um to have had really like supportive helpful (laughs) advice before my baby was born like one of my friends said to me like don't stress it if you don't like love your baby right away you might take a little time to get to know this kid and you know whatever it's fine and just the kind of like forgive forgiving attitude towards it was really helpful because it's true i mean of course, I wanted my baby to be healthy, and mm. as soon as I heard her cry, like I cried, and you know all this stuff, it's it's really emotional. But at the same time, you don't know this person yeah. yet. <laughs> yeah, you know, he's cute, but you don't know this person yet, and so it's taken a while to kind of get to know her. And 
So uh, the other thing is that, you know, people told me that I like everything was going to change, that my whole world would change, mm. my priorities would change, my self-identity would change. And I have to say, I did not look forward to that. Um, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, especially because you don't know what you change into. So the uncertainty right? around that is something like I, I mean, like I hear that too all the time. And I, I honestly find it super terrifying because I'm like, I kind of like the way things are right now. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like, you know, as a woman who waited till my 30s to have a kid, like I worked really hard through a messy, messy decade in the 20s to become the kind of balanced person that more or less balanced person that I feel I am now. And I was like, what? That person's going out the window? Like, I worked really hard to get her, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I don't feel like everything's changed at all, actually. Um, I mean, obviously, I have this baby who is the jam and, like, cracks me up all the time. And we have a lot of fun together. And I'm very lucky that she's, like, a really good baby and a healthy baby. And above all, so lucky that my partner is fabulous. Like, he's right in it with me, and we can talk. That's a whole other conversation. Like, people say they want their – they want, like, quote-unquote co-parent. I don't know what co-parenting is, but for me, either you're, like, parenting with me or you're not parenting with me. Yeah. And he is parenting with me. He's, like, all that. right in it. So that makes it all, like, possible to still be myself, still think about things and do other stuff, um, sleep, you know, which is really important to being myself. But I just feel like my my interests, the things I care about, that hasn't really changed at all. Um, Right. You know, I just have a whole other additional dimension of my life, which is this, like, fun, squirmy person. Who's super cute. Yeah, I mean, I'm biased. Uh, She's cute. I love it. That's th- thanks for humoring my super weird question. That's kind of like philosophical, but very helpful no. actually. Oh, I was just gonna say, like, it is one of my greatest fears. Is like what you said resonated so much with me that I've worked really hard my whole life. I mean, there's nothing like grad school and being in school way too long, and and the whole like like ethos of, uh, you know, delayed gratification to kind of build up the life that you have always imagined for yourself. And then to kind of be like, okay, I've only had that for like two years now. Let's just like jump into something else with so many variables, you know, like you never know what you're going to, what you're going to get. Kids are so different actually. And they're, you know, whether it's health or personality or other things, they're just like so many things in life you can't control. And so to throw all of that to the wind is is super nerve wracking. So I don't know. I just I love talking to you about it because you're so, I don't know, level headed. Thanks. I basically I, love talking I mean, to you about everything. Same, same. <laughs> I mean, you know, and, the, and for women who do feel like everything changes and everything's different and it's a gift, like that's cool for them. You know what yeah. I mean? Um, I think it probably has a lot more to do with maybe – who you are and your mindset going in um, and maybe what you want to get out of it. I don't know. I can't speak for them. Um, but I don't know. One one thing that kind of, I guess, concerns me a little bit, both about the, the medical health side thing and then also this kind of expectation that your old self will, like, die on the birthing table <laughs> and out will come this new <laughs> you. Is this, you know, this idea that you as a woman, if you have a baby, you are, like, totally separate people before and after, and that somehow through all of this, your, like, true destiny in life is to be a mother, right? Mm -hmm. That you are essentially at the end of it biding your time to become a vessel to this other person's becoming. And, uh, you know, I think that's a pretty problematic stance. I think that you don't have to be selfish to want to also have a life um, and to be an autonomous person at the same time as also caring for a child and and giving them a life and, mm. and helping them to become 
who they are going to be. I think a lot of that, again, has to do with your support structure, whether it's a partner or family or whatever village you have um, to help you raise your child. I think that's very important. But I'm thinking of like Simone de Beauvoir, like a little bit throwback to some mid-century feminism. You know, there are some issues with her work now, which is seen as dated in some ways. But I think her book, The Second Sex, is really important in laying out some groundwork type ideas around feminism, Mm -hmm. one of which is that, you know, having a baby can be a blessing and a curse at the same time, right? Because at the same time as you have this like magical power of bringing a life into the world, you may see yourself and other people may see you as just like an instrument, you know, Mm -hmm. um, a vessel for bringing around this other person. And you hopefully know that you're so much more than that. And the world should treat you as so much more than that, whether it means giving you adequate healthcare um, or expecting you to still have your own interests and time and all those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, that resonates so much. Okay, well, I have to ask you this. Obviously, around the time when this has been front of mind for you and becoming a mother, there's been increased attention to The Handmaid's Tale with the Hulu remake. Um, I know it's a book you've covered in your classes, and you gave me a copy, you know, like a couple years ago, well before all of this. Have you been thinking about that? Or, I mean, you can't help but, like, come across it because it's in our pop culture, whether it's, like, everyone being, like, praise be or blessed be the fruit every Mm. three minutes. Um, Mm. Does – do your ideas about it change? Have they changed? I mean, they haven't changed. I think they became more visceral in some ways. True story, I was actually teaching it this past spring while I was mega pregnant. And <laughs> oh my God. if you remember, um, after the Women's March, there was a day which where women were supposed to wear red, like in solidarity. So like, I I did it, right? But yeah. like, so I'm like teaching this class on The Handmaid's Tale, hugely pregnant in this like red tent of a shirt. And I was like, <laughs> hmm, <laughs> things are feeling relevant right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway, it's no, of course, especially it, it's a more quote unquote minor version of the extreme dystopian society that Atwood describes in The Handmaid's Tale. But being pregnant and people kind of looking right past you at your belly, um, mm. people feeling they can just touch your belly as if like now your stomach is public property because you're just the like the machine that spits out babies and you know, I taught this book in my Woman as Cyborg class, which is about kind of how during pregnancies, in some ways, women's bodies are seen as just machinery for the production of babies, as opposed mm. to like autonomous human beings carrying life, you know. So yeah, that definitely, it's real. And also like the Hulu version, I have to say, I've only seen two episodes because I watched the first one while I was pregnant. And I was like, I can't do this right now. Mm, yeah. And then, and then I watched the second one right after my baby was born. And I was like, I can't do this right now. We're good. <laughs> yeah. I watched all of it in one weekend. So I feel like we balance each uh, other out. <laughs> no, I mean, it looks like it was really good, but I was just, it was hectic. Let's just say my partner who's Canadian, he was watching it with me and he was like, both times he was like, we've got to get that Canadian passport sorted out right away. <laughs> right away. <laughs> I love it. Well, I'm so grateful we got this chance just to catch up a little bit and um, and talk a little theory, which which is always juicy and important, actually. Totally. And you know, I will say I'm loving it, and I think we'll have a chance to talk a lot more about other kinds of stuff that touch women who are thinking of having kids, thinking of never having kids. Mm -hmm. um, You know, all those kinds of issues, which. Like you said, they're kind of on the radar, but until you start to take it on more personally, you don't get, like, deep in all of the material that's out there. So totally. now, now we're a little more steeped, so 
we can start taking that stuff on too. I love it. So uh, listeners, thank you so much for your time. We uh, were excited to kick off a new season of In Theory, um, but also just happy to catch up with you guys a little bit. Feel free to follow us on Twitter at InTheoryPod. Email us at InTheoryPodcast at gmail.com. That's right, Maria, right? That's correct. We're also on Facebook where you can find us. And as always, you know, we just love to hear from you. Any ideas you might have, any feedback, thoughts. Sometimes we like to bring y'all on as guests. So stay in touch. Thanks, guys.